Hey, J. Crew, Jews and Jew curious among ya. I gotta warn ya, there might be a little F word this week, maybe some MF word, some of the S word, probably no C word, but the D word. Anyway, best to send the C words, that's the children, out of the room before we start dropping those other words. This has been your obscenity warning. I don't know what's going on with the humidity this summer. My hair, you having... as it grows out, it, my inner Jewess is unfurling. I, I too and have I'm a, a Jufro. But this summer is unlike... Yeah. No, this summer is worse. You're so right. you been looking at me like, what is up with What's your hair? What's wrong with you? Like, what is wrong? I didn't marry this man. Hello, J. Crew. This is Unorthodox, the universe's leading Jewish podcast. I just got stats from the universe. We're still on top. Yeah. Very, very big. Very big. Oh, we're still doing that? Yeah. <laughs> we're six months down, you know, three and a half years three yeah. to go. Okay. I am your host, Merrick Oppenheimer. I'm going by Merrick now. Uh, live in large in the summertime. Joined as ever by tablet deputy editor, the affianced Stephanie Butnick. It's true. I, I am engaged. You're affianced. You know, uh, congratulations. Thank congratulations. you so much. And tablet senior scribe, senior scrivener, Liel Leibowitz. Alhamdulillah. Two Jews this week. Returning Jew, Jordan Hoffman, uh, film critic. We'll talk about Wonder Woman and other stuff. And first time Jew of the week, dare I say Jewess of the week, she's not here yet to ask her. To defend herself. To defend Stacey Berman, a fitness trainer who runs Stacey's boot camp sessions in Central Park. In other words, one very fit Jew. Yes. And you have trained with her, right, Leo? I sure have. <laughs> Did you? I, I, was her, I was her worst case ever. Oh, my God. We I was her one and that. only failure. Oh, my <laughs> God. You know, okay, so listen. Uh, I want to hear what's up with you guys, but the first thing I want to do, um, because it's it's time actually, we've wasted enough time that it's now time for this phone call. So, you know how you guys make fun of me of sneak for sneaking into movies? What we might have once what, or twice? What? What? Because I like how this has turned on us that like we're doing. Yeah, something you guys wrong. persecute. We're me. doing the thing, but so you're not doing anything. We've <laughs> othered him now. for yeah. for unorthodox listeners who have not been with us since the beginning, right? Or who the who Genesis. might not who might not remember every bit we've ever done. It is in fact true that once every couple years, literally, like this has happened ten times in my life. I will see a movie and then think, eh, I'm already here. There's another movie starting. I'll walk into that movie. And I sort of see this as like not a big crime, right? Like I see it as like, it's like speeding. It's like so de minimis. And there was great objections, not only from Liel and Stephanie, but many of our listeners who were like, that is that is cheating. Tell that to the artists that they, who you deprive like, of livelihood. And to monster. me, it's like, if you've already paid your 12 bucks and then you pick up a second movie, like, eh, what's the thing? So anyway, okay, so that's my, and I'm a guy, you know, I'm a pretty honest guy. Like I overpay my taxes. I can't lie to Sid about anything. I like my, my guilt is very strong, but I, this doesn't bother me. I'm home the other day in Springfield in the 01108 with my parents, and my mom s- mentions that she's that she and my dad have seen the, the wedding balcony. The, is that what it's called? The women's balcony. The, the, women's, the women's balcony. The Israeli movie. And then not she's, to be confused with the wedding plan. The right. other Israeli movie right. of the summer. And then and so and and we'll we'll talk about that later when Jordan Hoffman's in. But then she she says to me, um, she's like, I mean, we weren't even going to see it. We'd actually see another movie first, but then we were already there. We figured we'd you know we'd walk in. I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you do that too. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, once in a while, like, you know, <laughs> and then my dad walks in. He's like, what? Oh, yeah. No, we we do that some sometime. I mean, not a lot. It's just it, and my dad, by the way, is the most honest human being in the world. Like my dad really does overpay his taxes. I mean, my dad is not capable. I mean, my my mom's very honest, too, though. If a return at TJ Maxx or Marshall's is involved, 
there may be some fudging. Some, some subterfuge. There may be facts. There may be some altered facts about the 30-day, 90-day, you know. Those are guidelines. Those are the, <laughs> Right. I feel like she's not alone. Yeah, oh, definitely not. No. Anyway, so I thought we would call them and we would discover the the origin story of this 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 seam of moral failure. Hello? Hello? Dad? Yes? Hey, did you remember that we're calling you today? Absolutely. I'm okay. oh, sorry, tell him who that is. He has more than one son yet. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is your eldest son, Mark. Yes. You're on with Liel. Yes. Hello. Hi, and Stephanie. Hi, Mr. Hi, Oppenheimer. Stephanie. You can call him Tim. Hi, Tim. Hello. Can I call morning. him Dad? Uh, Joanne is there as well. Good morning. Oh, sure. Hi. Um, all right, so... Anyway, I was explaining to Leo and Stephanie that where I got the sneaking into the movie is the second movie is okay, and I thought I would let you guys defend yourselves. So, <laughs> uh, first of all, I think Leo and Stephanie should explain why they like. I thought everyone thought this was okay. Yeah, I just I think what it is is in the like in your specific context, it was so shocking to hear that you stayed in a movie because you seem like a real like upstanding morally. I don't know. So then to hear you that you like have this like kind of vice of sneaking into movies, I think just like really triggered us in a really, really good and productive way. Well, I think I think Joanna is a very good uh, um, description or narrative about that. (laughs) Well, I just feel that the fact of the matter was we went to the movies. There were several movies that I was interested in. We went to our first choice, which was which was what was it, Tim? I don't even remember now. Uh, the, we- the, we- the wedding plan. So you did the wedding plan you did the and, then, and then the really? women's balcony? <laughs> what? You did that and then the women's balcony, a double header. The women's header. balcony, the women's balcony. No, that's that right. was not, that's the one we sneaked into. Was it really? Okay, yes. whatever. What are you guys, 90? <laughs> you guys are like hiking the Himalayas. Like what, you guys, can, anyway. <laughs> okay, so we went to our art movie, right? We went to the movie, we got out, it was 6.30, and I said to Dad, look, that other Israeli movie I wanted to see is starting in a few minutes. And Dad said, I'm really not that interested. And I said, oh, well, just indulge me, let's go in. And so we we went in to the second movie. Now, there is a certain thrill in that, I will confess. (laughs) It takes you back to when you were young and newly in love, and you did things that seemed a bit daring. So yes, there is that element to it. But the fact of the matter is we want, we also wanted to see the second movie. And we had paid to get into the into the Cineplex. It wasn't as if we were not paying our So you paid admission basically. But but yeah, that's what young people think that old people don't have that we're different. An, an edge to them. That they're right. not capable and of really, wild and really, crazy things. Yes, and it was fun. And now we we can do things what when we want and sort of there's a sense as you get older and your kids have left the nest, of a certain sense of abandonment. And we did, a little, <laughs> we did a little bit of that on Broadway when, you, when we could get into um, in an intermission, just mingle with the crowd. And so we had seen a play and we got into a second play or saw half of it. So we, we used to do that as well. You, you mean occasion. back when... In 1975. Hold on. You're telling us that that movies are basically a gateway drug (laughs) to like theater. Next thing you know, it's like concerts. And And, and I worked in the theater district. And so sometimes we'd meet, (laughs) Dad and I would meet for dinner. And then we'd see these, you know, we'd see people coming out of the theaters and we'd say, oh, it must be intermission. Right. And then we'd look at each other and say, should we? (laughs) So are there a lot of plays you've only seen half of? (laughs) 
There, there are several. Like you've missed Act One of just like everything so on saw, Broadway for ten years. I think we saw years. Jackie Mason standing room only, you know, in the back or something. I, I can still remember that. But there, I mean, I have to admit, there's also a something of, of a political element to it. I mean, we feel totally ripped off by the the uh, prices of the movies and the concession stands, and and we're scrupulously honest in every other way. I'm sure Mark can tell you, and we'd never. We're always. We're always sure not. To, we're always certain that 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 no worker there is being you know charged for our you know indiscretions and so forth. So this is this is this is a form of victimless protest against civil late, disobedience, late capitalism, cinema disobedience. Yes. And did you did you and raise unlike Mark? our other friends who no longer eat movie theater popcorn because they feel it isn't healthy, we still indulge ourselves, and it doesn't taste quite the same if you make it at home. We've decided. And so. if you're buying popcorn, you're basically buying the price of another movie. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, right. Exactly. Wow, you know what? I'm kind of coming around to this. Did you raise Mark? This is becoming a movement, by the way. This is like this millions is like of social, a social. Did, did you raise Mark on this? Uh, is there like a hero to this movement? Uh, no, you're probably the heroes, right? You're like the Gandhi of the free movie movement. The FMN. None, none of this happened within the applicable statute of limitations, by the way. <laughs> I should say that, that uh, this is your son again. I should say that. You guys were also a little bit liberal on the, you know, I was, I was a short, I was of short stature. I passed for under 12 till I was about 14. And I really had to take a stand at one point and say, mom, dad, like I'm paying full price. Like my dignity requires that I pay, that I pay full price. Mom, dad, I have two kids now. Come on. Now here's my question. When, when my kids are visiting you, do you, um, I mean, I guess, I guess you can't lie about that. They are actually still under age. They're still, it's legal. But when Rebecca's 13, are you going to be trying to get her in for 11? No, no, no. We're, we're perfect grandparents. No, I we, think grandparents are allowed to do that. Now, I, I have a few technical questions. So you've never been caught, I take it. Right. Now, is, is, there, like, um, is there like a move? Do you, so you walk out of, t- take me logistically through it. So do you have like a look of sort of just like looking up and whistling like you're just well, walking first of casually? All, the, the, the cineplex we go to is there's hardly anybody there ever. So, well, I don't know if that helps us or hurts us, but there's a number of movies on a given, um, you know, hallway. So it's very simple, and there's no, you know, movie police or anything. It's very simple just to go from, from one to another. It's, it's, not, it's not the least bit. And then, of course, you walk in. And you sit down, and sometimes you know everybody's already there. So that's that's a little a little sketchy, but it's very simple. <laughs> the one thing I feel though is, what if the second the second one you saw was sort of like an indie Israeli movie? Do you feel like because you didn't like your ticket wasn't applied to that movie, it might not do as well in the box office, and therefore like other smaller movies won't continue to happen? Not, not, not getting, just because of you? To come, to come to the Oppenheimer's defense, I'm proud to report that this week, that movie crossed the $1 million mark, which is really great for an Indian-Israeli movie. Right. I mean, a lot of the mail we got when I've admitted this is you should at least buy the ticket for the the smaller, more indie, female-directed movie and not the big... Like Wonder Woman. Yeah, not, yeah. not the Wonder Woman, right? Buy it for... The wedding balcony, the women's balcony, not for Wonder Woman. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman had a moment decision. You're looking around to see what's there, and you're looking around to see the time that it began. So the movies have to be staggered so that you're, you know, that you're able to able to do this. In this case, it worked out perfectly because the second movie was just starting as the first one got out. Right. So we saw two full movies. I mean, it's almost like they wanted you to see the second one for free. Yes, I mean, it was the universe an open Okay, if someone caught you, would you pretend that you may have, like, lost the... T- like, would, would you use your 
sort of advanced a more advanced age to, like, to the way you would let Mark like like I feel like you're entitled to do that. Oh, gee, what would we do? If I we don't were, know. There's virtually no way to be caught. If we were caught, but if we were, if someone questioned us. I think we just say, you're right, we need to pay for this movie, uh-huh. and we pay for it. I mean, they look 47, so like pleading I know. senility yeah, is I not, met you. You guys did not, did not look not like seem senior citizens we, at all. Wow. We have to I mean, go. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You just gotta love them living on the edge, though. Like I didn't realize, I wouldn't have, I didn't think of the frisson part of it. Of like, oh, let's go break a law. You, you know, think, you think that spices spices I, things up for mom and dad? You, you want to talk about you, it? You didn't just say that about your parents having. You know, sex? you know what's gonna cool things off? Martin Landau died. How about that? You want a cold shower? Oh damn! Martin, little damn. news. Little news I see your Jews. parent fucking, and I raise and you, Martin I raise Landau. The, Fifth dimension. I raise Ooh. you the death of eighty-nine-year-old Martin Landau. He, of course. Um, what did we love him in? I loved Everything. him. I loved him in Rounders, in which he played the ju- Matt Damon's boss, <laughs> the judge. What did you? What do you love him? Some sci-fi shit. I love him in the one obscure fucking poker movie that, of course, <laughs> I watch all the time because it's like Matt Damon. My movie. All that's all I watch. Uh, I loved him in Mission Impossible. But <laughs> seriously, uh, as Rachel Shukert very uh, wisely wrote in Tablet this morning, he was crimes and misdemeanors. Can we just say? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the he was the one guy who saved Woody Allen from himself, right? Because Woody Allen yeah. always writes these, and like it gets kind of boring that Woody Allen character. Martin Lando is really the only one who sort of injected it with. He was. I forgot he was in that. And he was great in that. It's amazing. Um, Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood. Oh yeah, she won an yeah. Oscar. For yeah, 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 yeah. What a, what a man! So goodbye, Martin Landau. Other other news of the Jews. Shalom, Martin. Shalom, uh, as we send you to your <gasps> heavenly rest. Other news of the Jews. Um, we we heard from a reader that the Chicago in response to the Chicago Dyke March, some people, some Jews are planning a Chicago Kike March. Um, oh I have not fact checked this. All I can say is I really hope it's true. If it if it's true, we are. If it's true, I we want to we'll float. Be there. We yeah. should be. We should be. Yeah, we should be the marshals. We should be there. Uh, Michael Stipe of uh, my favorite band ever, REM, uh, stands with Radiohead he he tweeted out that he endorses their their playing in Israel they were coming under Tom like, York was coming this is under. insane yeah. Shalom this whole thing yeah. insane uh, French President Emmanuel Macron came out against anti-Zionism in a speech in Paris on Sunday he said we will never surrender to expressions of hatred we will not surrender <laughs> to anti-Zionism <laughs> because it's a reinvention of anti-Semitism <laughs> you know and you know when a Frenchman says I'll never surrender, I'll never surrender. <laughs> take him at his word because literally they never have uh, of course it does I am not Thank goodness for all of us, one of those people whose humor is entirely quotations from The Simpsons. But I do remember the great episode where they called the French – is it Bard who calls them the cheese-eating surrender monkeys? That's correct. Yeah, thank you. Um, the new owner of Wrigley Field, a Jew. Is that the story? No. No. What's the story? <laughs> I didn't even a little bit. What's the Wrigley Field story we were going to do? Wow. Um, that's amazing. So basically – after, you know, for the first I'm sorry, time, because you think the Jews own all the real estate in America? <laughs> Jay Z, really? Basically, there's kosher food for the you know. I got Wrigley, this so wrong. Wrigley I just Field opened 103 years ago. The Cubs went you know a gazillion years without without a title. Now they ha- they also went 100 years without kosher food, and now there's kosher food at Wrigley Field. Oh my God! There's Dan, it's called Dan Stand with a Z. Dan Z Tanned. They'll be serving up Romanian hot dogs, Romanian Polish sausages, super pretzels, and drinks. They, I don't know what a Romanian Polish. They've outsourced to Sammy's Romanian of Christie Street. Basically, they have. But Leo, you feel strongly with, about this with story. Vodka <laughs> in the stands. Uh, I feel strongly about this story because the entrepreneur 
who is bringing kosher food to Wrigley Field after a hundred years, a hundred championless uh, years, uh, is called Mr. Mashiach. <laughs> Literally, the Messiah has come to Wrigley Field. And he's bringing Romanian and, hot dogs. And his contribution oh is Romanian God. kosher hot dogs. Which, by the way, is my vision of the Mashiach coming. Oh the Mashiach God. arrives with God. hot dogs. And he's got with... snacks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, the Holocaust Art Project. Boy in Israel. Fill us in. So, uh, an Israeli art student yep. has embarked on a final project for art school in which he traveled to Auschwitz six times. And stole a bunch of shit from Auschwitz, <laughs> including the sign that says, please do not steal shit from Auschwitz. And when asked why would she remove, you know, relics uh, placed there by the victims of the Nazis, she said, well, you know, my grandpa survived this, so I figured it was kind of my right. I earned it. We gave it, we gave it the office. I'm reclaiming uh, the found art. This in the same week that the boy whom Emma Solkowitz, mattress carrier of Columbia University, accused of rape was the German was was uh, given uh, compensation by Columbia. The millions for of dollars. The millions of dollars for his for his troubles. I oh, like for this being idea. Okay, here's the crazy thing: you could technically have a claim to items from Auschwitz, right? Like, like shoes, uh, excuse but like me. specific, excuse like me. those are my Reeboks. Well, like Grandpa see... was a size 43. This is a size 43. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go ahead like and take those. Macabre, but, you know, the suitcases, things have names on them. And I almost wonder what you'd have to do. Like if you saw something and it seemed to be like a suitcase. Oh said, Can you imagine the asshole just like piling to the things like, oh, excuse me. It's literally like baggage claim. Right. This like, is Myron's. I'm going to take that home. That was, that was Uncle Saul's gold filling. I recognize Aww. it from pictures. Amazing. <laughs> My favorite item of the week, another Jewish superheroine, Milana Weintraub, is being cast as Squirrel Girl. Anyway, Milana Weintraub, whom I know from This Is Us, which is the great show of last season, which all of you should be watching. And she's the, the AT&T girl. And she's the, I didn't know, I've never seen that ad. You, you, you've definitely seen I've an never ad se- for an he AT&T. Doesn't pay she's for like this chipper. How does anyone see ads anymore? Aren't you on iPads skipping past? I like, feel like I'm seeing her on TV like every day. Anyway, she has been cast as Squirrel Girl in the upcoming Marvel TV series, New Warriors. Um, Is Liel, it supposed to be hard to say Squirrel Girl? Squirrel Girl. As our, as rural our comics the rural correspondent, is Squirrel Girl big in the Marvel universe? Um, among a certain demographic, <laughs> a certain basement dwelling, self-pleasuring demographic, yeah. Anything that has girl, girl in girl, it is right, huge. Right. But what, did, what does she look like? Fantasy. What are her? It doesn't even have to be squirrel girl. It's just girl. girl. Like, oh my god, it's a mythical creature, and she has a <laughs> vagina. I've never seen one, but she's awesome. Does she have like one of those bushy tails? Oh, dear. oh wow, what? wow, yeah. No, I'm asking for because she's a squirrel. <laughs> oh, okay. What's her superpower? No, like, that's t- what is what does she look like? That's what I'm asking. Um, and does she transform into it? Does she is she Milana Vintra by day? Her a rodent by night. Her superpower. <laughs> She gives you really great deals on like a family plan and uh, rollover minutes. <laughs> and as many acorns as you want. She has as many. But yeah. can you just, what is her power? I have no fucking clue. Anyway, the point is she's a Jewish, uh, a, a Russian oh, American. Oh, oh, I found it. She has the ability to communicate with and command actual squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst. That's a real thing? Oh no, aliens are taking over the world. Help us. I'll be there. She's my second favorite to pigeon lady. Before we leave this topic, I just want to point out she is not Russian American Jewish. She's Uzbek American Jewish. She may be the first Uzbek Jewish American. By the way, uh, and she has superhero. an amazing uh, foundation greatest... called Can't Do Nothing. That's and it's about, it sort of helps refugees mm-hmm. with their grammar. 
No, that's the, last, the lowest priority. <laughs> we can't do By nothing. The way, foundation. The there, double negative foundation. If there ever was an Oppenheimer charity, it would be helping refugees with their grammar. <laughs> <With their grammar. laughs> I'm not going to offer you food. Because but... once you get here, you're going to want to sound good. Right. But don't you hang that preposition. Okay, we have a live show coming up. This is the last time you're going to hear me announce this live show before we actually have the live show. So buy the tickets now. Like, you'll get no more reminders from me. We're doing a live show at the JCC Manhattan on the Upper West Side. It's Tuesday, July 25th at 7.30 p.m. We did sell out this show last time, and we are about to sell out this time. So go get your ticket right, 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 right now. Uh, It's only $25, $20 for members, jccmanhattan.org. Okay, I'll tell you about the show. The Jew of the Week for the live show is Harry Enten. He writes for Nate Silver's 538.com. They are the political prognosticators who did not catch the fact that Donald Trump was going to win, but they've caught a lot of other things successfully. They are the great political stats wizards. And Harry Enten is one of the top people there. So he is our Jew of the Week. Gentile of the Week is Harun Mogul. He's Muslim, but is the fellow on Jewish-Muslim relations at the Shalom Hartman Institute. He's the author of the new book, How to Be a Muslim. You might have heard him on Fresh Air. He gave this wonderful interview on Fresh Air. You can go listen to that, and you'll still want to come see him at our show. It's not like everything he talked about there is the same stuff he's going to talk about with us. So two great guests. We're going to Special prizes, probably a musical guest, lots of schmoozing. We're going to go out for drinks afterwards. We're going to give free hugs to the audience. It's really, the live shows are really, really fun. This is like our 12th or 13th live show, and it's our second at the JCC Manhattan. So please come. And if you're going to come, send us a note in advance so that we can give you a shout out from the stage. So you can send that to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. But for the very last time, Tuesday, July 25th, 7.30 p.m., hot fun in the summertime, summer in the city. $25. We'll see you there. Hey, after you buy your live show tickets, uh, send us an email, A, telling us that you're coming, but also uh, two things. Number one, we are doing this apology episode for Yom Kippur again, and we're already getting some nice anecdotes, but we, we need more. So if you have a story of a an apology gone very wrong or an apology gone very right or an apology you've always wanted to make, just something about atonement, teshuva, but specifically apologies from person to person, uh, could you email it to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com? We'd really love to to use some of these on the show. And then for a little bit farther down the road, sometime in the fall, we are going to do our long-promised nose job episode. So we've gotten some really funny stories in the email inbox already. But again, we need more. Send your stories about the nose job you had and regret, the nose job you always wanted, the um, relative who got the ridiculous nose job, your feelings about nose jobs, your rabbi's sermon about why not to have them, the bogus reasons that some people – claim to have them, the lies people tell about them. Just nose job, nose job, nose job, nose job. Send that to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. We are crowdsourcing the heck out of that episode and really need your help. It's my nose's birthday, not mine. And I'm proud to say the schnoz is doing fine. My nose was born upon this day in 1893, exactly two weeks later. Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. 
They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Guys, we have an amazing return guest this week. We got Jordan Hoffman. He's a writer and film critic, as you may remember. His work can be found in the New York Daily News, The Guardian, The Times of Israel, Vanity Fair. He also has a podcast, the official Star Trek podcast. It's called Engage. And I have to say, he's wearing an amazing summer outfit today. I, who, I, who are you wearing? I'm. This is a Wolfies of Miami Beach. I think is what this is called. <laughs> oh my god! It's like a. It's a. It's a short sleeve button down, open above a t shirt, and it's like floral in just the perfect. It's a Hawaiian shirt. Way. Can we this, say the Hawaiian shirt? Does that not this do the is work? Technically, I, I like to call it Miami Beach, but if you want to yeah, go it's Hawaii, way Miami Beach. Hawaii is too. It's too far to fly to Hawaii. <laughs> you go to Miami, you're there in two hours. You can what? auto train. You can take your car too. Totally if you want. take the auto train. You take the auto and train. And the hat too. If, and the glasses. You got these like nice. If this is if this is like 1954 <laughs> and you were 73, you would be set yeah. for life. You know, my grandfather had a third wife. You would. He would. Dress like that for her. <laughs> well, I do have a certain aesthetic. Old Jew. That's kind of what I've been going for, and it's uh, what since I've you, achieved. Since you were in your twenties, yeah, probably. yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But uh, it's a pleasure to be back on the show. It's a pleasure I love to have it you. here. I love listening, and it's it's summertime. It's so hot out there. It's disgusting. The place where you all should be is inside <laughs> in the air conditioning, taking in a sun- summer film. I like it. I mean, I've done that. I've gone to a movie by myself because it was just so hot. Yeah. What, what did that's you the see? only reason you go to movie. I go to no, movies no, no, by no. myself I, all the time. It actually happened where I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but hold on. She pays for them. So it's a good I had an hour and a half to kill. And I was like, It's so hot. It's so hot. My apartment was, you know, I lived in Brooklyn. It was, I was in Manhattan. And I was like, I can't go home. And so I just stepped into a movie theater and it was like a Jesse Eisenberg movie about bioterrorism. And I like, Ugh. and for the better for seeing it. I don't even remember that one. I know it was, it was very called below the, the radar. sorrow and the pity. Right. So okay, so what are you? What are? We, what should we be watching this summer? Well, you know, this has been a weird summer for wide release big blockbuster tentpoles. There's been a lot of stinkers. You know the uh, the new you mentioned as a joke before, but the new Transformers was. How dare you, sir? I, I, that already come out? As yeah, a joke? It I came, didn't even see it. Went, it. Yeah. For um, shame. But it did very well in overseas in China, so that's right. where they make their money for, for some of these movies. But um, there, there, there have been some good... Um, also with domestic idiots. I mean, it's a very big audience. <laughs> China and morons. I gotta say, there's a couple of good movies that are going to be coming out by the time people are hearing this. Uh, number one is the new Planet of the Apes movie, which is uh, coming out uh, like any day now. And um, I don't know if you've seen the previous of the new Planet of the I was going to say, wasn't there already a new Planet All of the right. See, movie? It gets a little bit complicated, but I say unto you that you can kind of jump into this new one without really having seen the others. The whole oeuvre. No. Yeah. <laughs> now, hold on. Yeah. I've seen the others. Yeah. Here's what I find absolutely unacceptable. If there's ever a situation yeah. in which monkeys get guns... I am going to shoot every <laughs> fucking monkey I oh, see. Oh. I do not want a movie in which there's moral complexity and some monkeys are bad and some are good. All right. I want to kill monkeys. You're going to feel really bad when I tell you what the new one's about. The new one is about the apes. They're not monkeys, by the way. They're <laughs> it's apes. literally called Planet of the Apes. They're apes and there's different <laughs> kinds of apes, among which are monkeys. Of the apes of the chimpanzees who are kind of like in charge. The gr- that liberal kind gr- of thing. The gorillas. <laughs> the gorillas that are like kind of the rank and found the orangutans that are the sort of the intelligentsia, all right? Uh, so are, are Jews the orangutans? Jews are the apes in the new one. 
The new Planet of the Apes, I say, and I'm not, this is not me reading into it. I'm not finding Semitic simians in this film. This is the text. It's a, it, it's a, it's a story about Jews, the new Planet of the what? Apes. What? In the new Planet of the Apes, I say they've made a monkey of us. No, I say that it is a movie about the Jewish experience on film in this movie. In they, that, all, they all find a small country in the Middle East. They do. No, at the end, they go to Israel. I'm serious. What? I'm a hundred. Oh, should I say spoiler oh warnings and all God. that? All right, spoiler warnings. Okay, don't. I swear to you. First of all, the Planet of the Apes movies have always been very smart. They, they Even the first one in 1968, the title... Planet of the Apes sounds like it's going to be like a, an idiotic B picture. And it wasn't. It was a very sharp criticism of race relations. And then it had that really fun twist ending where they, you well, discover. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen 1968. it. 1968. No, no, I don't see movies before 1970. So I might someday. So don't tell me. I, I, by now, Mark, I think you've missed it. It's Earth, book. right? It is Earth. Yes. But okay. you don't know. Rod Serling wrote the scripts originally. So, all right. So. It was Charlton Heston's last movie before his career as an NRA <laughs> pitch person, right? Uh, he had like, a few more. By the way, Charlton Heston was a big liberal in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Ronald Reagan dragged him right. He did. He I went, know. It's a Shonda. It's a terrible yeah, Shonda because yeah. you can go back and watch movies like The Omega Man and Soylent Green and Planet of the Apes. And this guy was a great progressive man, a mensch. You could tell from his acting in Soylent so Green. So hold on, the apes <laughs> go to Israel. <laughs> All right, you have to hung up on the... Is All right, the, the new the, the is new this movie pl- about boycott, divest, and sanctions. Uh, no, no, about? that's well, no, but the, the sequel, the one that's <laughs> coming will, out next no, year. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the thing is, this I want you to know that you should take the Apes movies more seriously than their titles suggest. That's the big takeaway. Yes. Okay. So in the new film, there is like an ape Auschwitz in in <laughs> this one, but it's treated. Kind of respectfully. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is that the humans have rounded up all the apes and put them in a concentration. They have concentrated their population into a camp. And then the shot when Caesar, our main ape, who is a chimpanzee, goes into the camp, it's shot like every single Holocaust film you've ever seen. Whoa. Like it's got the towers, it's all in gray, there's a chain link. It's not subtle. It's like you've seen Holocaust movies, you know what goes down. Here is the camp for the apes. The so music goes. Fairly hirsute people rounded up. <laughs> They remove their their mug and dovets from around their neck before they go to the uh, left, the, go to the right. But there is a sorting thing. Also, the children are over there. It's and it's and the thing is that movie sells it. I mean, if you got to go in there and obviously suspend your disbelief a tad, <laughs> you've got to. These are hyper intelligent apes. They've been genetically modified. Blah blah blah. So then it's an Auschwitz thing, and then they have to. They're trying to escape and go to a promised land in a desert. That's what their hope oh. is. Are you sure it's not about Mormons? <laughs> okay, so when you're yeah. watching this, are you yeah. like? F, yeah, this is a Jewish story, yeah, like right I up am. my alley. Or yeah. are you like, oh, well, FG? Uh, no, like, I, no, I, no, that's a fair question. I here. am, I am excited if it is treated with the respect it deserves, and I, I swear, this movie is pretty damn good. And like again, you know, the title makes it sound like cheap schlock, but War for the Planet of the Apes, which is what it is called, is a rather sensitive portrayal of the Jewish experience. So, I swear to God. So, I'm so seeing this movie this so, weekend. It's not even There's funny. a Jewy component to Wonder Woman, obviously. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. Jewy component to Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Transformers, any Jewy component at all? Well, Michael Bay is a member of the tribe. Right. Uh, but other than that, I don't, I can't, uh, no, I, no, really. I cannot speak to okay. it. You know, okay. uh, Wonder Woman is an interesting story because there isn't sort of a, um, other than Gal Gadot as the star and now the most important uh, Jew in Israeli the world, in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. she. Uh, there isn't really too much on the on the in in the text that's 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 Jewish. You could kind of m- make an argument that um, you know there's a sort of a tikkun olam thing going on there, where she feels the need to make the world nice by 
yeah, be- beating up no. bad guys, but yeah. not really. Yeah. It's not very Jewish, but you know that didn't stop certain members of the internet from screaming and yelling that we shouldn't support a Wonder Woman with an Israeli lead. Which right, we, we actually anywhere. shouldn't go see movies that have Jewish talent in them, right. or like yeah, we yeah. should be skipping those movies you'll, that are made by Jews or starring you'll Jews. You'll never see Sorry, a movie MGM. again. <laughs> exactly. You'll never. But uh, but luckily that didn't really pan out too much. Nobody really paid that much attention to that. What are but, our, like least Jewy movies this summer? Well, there's a great Goyesha film coming out soon called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. It's got, it's got Kara. Only, yeah. it's got, it's got Only a guy would name it that. <laughs> well, it's based on a French comic book from uh, that's like 40 years old. Like it's been, it, There's 40 years of lore in this comic, and I've read none of it, so I couldn't tell you. Um, <clears throat> I didn't read any of the literature before watching the, the film. <laughs> but um, it is a really good, beautiful popcorn film. It's a very, very expensive movie, and... It's all up there on the screen because they didn't pay for any of the acting. The acting is terrible in the movie, but it looks gorgeous. And the costumes and the hats and the ships and whatnot. And I found more sort of visual pop and dynamism in this movie than in any of the most recent Marvel films or, you know, uh, even the recent Star Wars stuff, I got to say. Maybe the Star Wars stuff got me on more of an emotional level because we all have a nostalgia for Star Wars and those stories really have a lot of... I mean, the, Energy, the music but, alone, the John Williams stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a Pavlovian effect. But yeah. but the new movie, Valerian, which is going to do terrible business in the United really? States. Yeah, because the lead actor, Dane DeHaan, is not particularly good. And, you know, American audiences, if they don't, they're not familiar with it already. It's, it's kind of hard to get them to sink their teeth into something that's new and weird. But uh, Valerian is a very good summer movie that's coming out. Uh, any day now. It's it's really quite good. I'm getting a lot of emails from the publicity yeah. people wanting me to see this movie, The Fencer, about some oh little, my God, little girl who fences. No, it's not. It's it's about. She goes to Duke. So first of all, I'm and then she obviously gets seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is literally the trajectory of my life. Joins nothing Kappa. In between, nothing in between. Yes. What's the president? Well, that's um, a movie version. Right? It's about. I forget what it is, but it's a real life story. I mean, I there's Sunshine, which is a fencing movie that my grandparents saw with me that has like a very graphic Ooh. sex scene in it Ooh. um in a forest which i re- that's what i remember wow. but it, that was about a fencer the, that was like a fencing holocaust movie and this is sort of the same thing <laughs> that was your movie yeah the fencing holocaust and i was movie. like i will do that i um i there haven't been too many fencing movies there's no yeah. rocky for fencers and it's so. about, i think it's like a hungarian real it's a real life story but as you know oh. my eldest rebecca is going she's, she's oh, going to fencing camp because of my email well, I mean, she was interested in fencing, and then you mm. corresponded with her saying fencing's a nice sport for a nice Jewish my girl uncle to used get into to, college, my, and she's going to fencing camp next month. Wow. Yeah. My uncle used to fence. He would sell you the best Rolex you could find. Was you know, his name Myron? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I haven't seen The Fencer, but you know, it's true. We should, as well as talking about these kind of big blockbuster, dopey uh, movies with a lot of money on the screen, there are also independent and you know smaller movies that'll engage your mind as well as your sort of your uh, your fantasy elements and there was a movie that i think is still playing here in new york at the lincoln plaza cinema which is my favorite place to see old Jews in action. Is that that's like the, one, the downstairs that's one? That's the basement oh my God, one. That, it's the basement of a synagogue. That cafe Greatest is Greatest popcorn amazing. in <laughs> the entire universe. Artisanal the popcorn. There is so good, man. There is a theater. For those of you that have never been to New York, there is, you know, this is a vibrant city that's always changing, but there is one time capsule where it is <laughs> perennially 1973. Where the Jews are always old and <laughs> angry. <laughs> and the carpet is stained. Yeah, and so the, the seats are uncomfortable and creaky, and it's in a basement. And they show... 
um, sort of, you know, independent movies. They show art, I tell you. They, art. They don't even show like the the challenging art. They just show like the old people art. Marshall so, McLuhan's in line. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly right. So anyway, there's a movie there called Norman. Have oh. you, seen, you saw Norman? I wrote about Norman for Tablet. I think Norman's oh. a spectacularly it good movie. It really yeah. is the best. I'm going to make a statement here. It is the best Jewish movie since... Um, uh, Serious Man, the Coen Brothers, Whoa. which was Whoa. close to ten years ago. It was two thousand nine, so not that. It is. Uh, it's basically like an old world parable set modern day, and it stars Richard Gere, not a Jew, as a Buddhist, as, the, as the as the as a Buddhist. Is, as a yeah. Buddhist, that's his backdoor entrance yeah. into Judaism. He's he's actually the only non-Jewish he's a, he's Buddhist. Because he was yeah. doing yeah. like those Buddhist movies about like the dog that like he was well, doing Mister Tibet, Free yeah. Tibet. Yeah, he's no, the original he's, OG Free Tibet. He is, yeah, he, he and the Beasties. He, he's got his uh, his cred there, and, uh, and and you know he's 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 really good. He but he plays he's he, brilliant as Oppenheimer. Yeah, Norman Oppenheimer. He plays a uh, <laughs> what uh, a court Jew is what is what they would the Wikipedia entry like would call him. Yeah, he's a the, the movie's called Norman Colin, The Moderate Rise or Tragic Fall of a New York Fixer. Okay. And he's a guy who just trades in favors. And he's a schlep. He's a smendrick. He's wandering around New York. You, you always see him in the same outfit. So it's sort of a parable. Right. It's not meant to be taken seriously, like literally. And he somehow gets himself involved in the nexus of New York Israeli politics and uh, economic trade. And ultimately, this, this putz of a man... Uh, who does all of his business wandering around New York. He doesn't have an office. He's just on his cell phone. And he does, uh, and I, I'm a freelance writer, so I get this. Sometimes your office <laughs> is, oh, I, I need to take a call. He just goes into a hotel lobby. He's wandering or around. Or it's like, where's the Wi-Fi strong? Right, right, what, right. What place am I near? What free public space am I near exactly. where the Wi-Fi is strong? There, there's a great scene in this movie where he needs like to sit. So he goes to like the, the fitting room in Bergdorf's just because there's room to like <laughs> sit and have a conversation. So I get this. Um and uh, it winds up that for one moment, the entire world's revolving around him. And he's just kind of a nudnik New York putz. So it's it's great. But it's a really very nice story and beautifully shot. Very Because it's sort of all dialogue. So it's visually... They took their time the to figure out how to make amazing. it. And, oh yeah, yeah. And there's a kind of there's a dramatic unity to it. And the movie's like an hour and a half long. Yeah. And and it all and it does so much. It's like the economy of it. Is yeah, yeah. So it's a fable. In yeah. The way it, that fables. It's like a tweet. Have the yeah. world in it's a tweet. It's a tweet. <laughs> so speaking of so the, movies, so that's a really good one that I recommend. It's still out there and will eventually be streaming in one night. And yeah. who knew they, I just say who knew Gear could play a Jew so well? He, I don't. There are certain like Robin Williams. If you said he played Jewish, yeah. sure, he's eighty percent Jewish anyway, right? Even right, he's right, not. right. Yeah. There, there are Gentiles who are like, but they're kind of Jews. Yeah. Jonathan Winters kind of a Jew. Sure. But oh God. Yeah. Richard Gere. Yeah. I wouldn't have. He's like a real, real gentile. He's no. a real guy. He's, he's a, what Grammy. Yeah, would he call was him. a Grammy called a real guy, and and he pulls it off. And then the um specifically, I spoke to the director. The director is American and Israeli. His name is Joseph Cedar. He did the movie Footnote from oh, a few yeah. years ago, and he very specifically cast non-Jews in the Jewish roles. So Michael Sheen is right. in it, and um. Uh, he's very good, and a number of others whose names I can't think of right now. Oh, Steve Buscemi plays a rabbi. Yes, oh, and he's fabulous. Oh. He's and he's like an Upper West Side schlep of rabbi. There's a lot of scenes in the basement of the synagogue <laughs> where they're like eating pickled herring, <laughs> and it's like Richard Gere's eating pickled herring on a cracker, and it's like this is hardcore. This, this is, is so that's method acting. This he's is really <laughs> suffering for <Yeah>. your art. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the Lincoln Center yes. synagogue, uh, yeah, there's yeah. another movie there that that, yeah. that you we realize loved what you just said called the Lincoln Center synagogue. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's the theater. <laughs> the theater. It the really synagogue. Is. Okay, yeah. Where we go? Is the synagogue upstairs and the theater downstairs? Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Lincoln Center Theater, uh, there's another movie there, The Women's Balcony. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which not only did we both like, 
but both of us, I don't know if you noticed this, ended up oh, that's right. on the movie poster. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You and I are both on the Look movie poster. Look at that. No, because my 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 uh, parents who went to see that movie at the Lincoln Center <laughs> Plaza took a photo. My, first of all, my mother now knows how to take pictures on her iPhone, right. which is a major development. You know, I'm surprised there wasn't a CNN breaking news story about that. <laughs> she, she took a picture and sent it to me. And she goes, do you know this guy, Leo? He yeah. seems nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so you were also on the movie poster. Yes, and the two of us. the point was, Represent. do you know Leo? Zen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> son, I'm so proud. No, it was not that. It was, do you know this other person? Yeah. Oh, wow. was not, we're not impressed with you. We're right. impressed with that guy. How'd you get to be on a poster with Leo Lieberman? <laughs> exactly. Well, my mother called and asked about Jordan Hoffman. Right, so there. okay. <laughs> so it all worked out. No, The Woman's Balcony is very good. Uh, it's it's a very good, um, well, you tell, you give the- Well, the, the, this movie actually prompted a fight between my parents, but you- oh, I'm sorry. Really? Oh. Well, one of them liked it. My mom oh, really tell me liked about it. That. And, well, my dad- Dad, you're, I know you're listening. Hi, Uh-oh. Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Uh, and he, you're he's, wrong. He's more than halfway through his MSW. For so, it was just shout out to to Dad. Um, if I get this right, he felt like if you're not, and I haven't seen the movie, but it's about the women's fight to have a nice women's balcony, right? In a orthodox school, as uh, opposed that, that's to that's sort of the law. That's yeah. the thing that gets the as, story going. Right. But yes, I think my dad felt. I hope I'm being fair to him that. If you're not someone who actually is invested, if you're outside the orthodox world, you'd be like. Why should like what counts as kavod in the orthodox world right. be a major plot point for anyone who doesn't already care? Well, I think that's underselling the movie a little bit because that's what my mom said. <laughs> a, you have to. Uh, what the movie kicks off with is that you love the community. Like the opening sequence is almost like a little musical number where you see like this is a tight knit community in the blah 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 blah, blah section of, of Jerusalem. I that's don't right. remember what it is. But, 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 but and they all love each other and they care for each other. They tell jokes at Shul and 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 they're cooking for each other. And then literally the, the ceiling caves in and there's this moment that they have to they have this adversity and they have to figure out what to do and how do they kind of keep themselves whole again. So I think what the movie tries to sell, it clearly didn't work for your father, was that this is a group that should not be divided. They need to get their act together and figure things out. And obviously this is a wider story about Israel in general and how are you going to keep the nation together while you have such strong religious divides. And I mean, the lead character's name is, is Zion. Right, I mean that's the car- I mean, it's it's not subtle. It's a pretty right there so on the nose. It's like a Planet of the Apes situation. It is. It's very similar to Planet of the Apes. So, but it's a very good movie. I mean, some of it is a little overly shticky. Uh, I mean, that's not a masterpiece, but it's pr- it's pretty darn good. It's- How amazing if in the next apes, all the female apes want their own Ezrat Nashim, <laughs> and then they have a women ape women of the wall right. going on. Right, With a certain a rock. Big- they want to daven at a I rock. Feel like and this the- is yeah. a big summer for Israeli movies because there's also the wedding plan, which is by Rama Bershon. Yes, the wedding plan. I didn't like the wedding plan. I wanted to like it so much. I went in there gung ho. And it just bothered me. But I love the lead actress. I thought she was fantastic. And I love what she was wearing. I'm being serious now because the movie is about, you know, orthodox women who, as a general rule, tend to dress very conservatively. And this is a woman who is an independent thinker to a degree. I mean, this is the problem is that it's not a very feminist film. It's a movie about a woman whose biggest dream in life is to get married. You know, it's not about going out into the world and doing something, but be that as it may. So, are you implying uh, that getting married is not? It's anything. nice. It's, it's good. Not a, it's you not, did it. I did it. I'll do. I, I'm not doing it again, but I did it once. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, but the one thing that she does do, and that the film does, and I don't want to undersell it because film is a visual medium. It's all about what you're seeing. She's always dressed in very wild, weird, unexpected ways. Right? Did you saw the film? Right? Yeah. I mean, there's she, a way in which she. It's sort of like we've talked about this before. Orthodox women can use fashion yes. to sort of, w- within parameters, express individuality. Yeah. 
But to I, me, it was sort of like, it's like the wedding play. It's like all the, this genre of ro- American rom-coms yeah, where it's like 20, tw- the 27 Dresses exactly, or The Wedding exactly. Planner. And so it's before, like, we, I'm familiar we, with this concept. Yeah, I don't like those movies either. So, But 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 this is in that vein. So perhaps it's just not... Yeah. But what about when yeah. they sing Benny and the Jets when they're stranded at that diner and the, 27 <laughs> Dresses? Come the, on, James Marsden. Sing a little prayer for you. <laughs> there is a lot that's very notable about this movie and um, and the fact that you know it's this Brahma Bernstein who's kind of the only orthodox woman making films you know anywhere so it's worth checking out but um, there's also one other um, Israeli movie that's coming uh, down the pike it's going to be out in the US here in November so a sneak peek because I suspect that this is going to be the big Israeli movie of the year. Uh, and it's made by a woman whose name I don't remember. Sexist. No. Well, it's, she's, an, Semite. Uh, she's, an Israel, she's an Israeli <laughs> Arab. So it's a long Arabic oh, name. No. Oh, a twist. I just, I was a, I'm like, and my Shyamalan here. So her name is um, My Salum Hamoud, I believe. I could be getting it wrong. She's an Israeli Arab. And the movie is set, the movie is called Bar Bahar, which translates into in between, and it is set in Tel Aviv in the Yemenite quarter of Tel Aviv, the Yemenite mm-hmm. section of the Tel Aviv, and it's about Israeli Arabs who are and women who are totally isolated from seventeen different other parts of culture. Obviously, they're not Jewish, so they don't quite fit into the mainstream Israeli culture they are independent women one of whom in fact is gay or at least bisexual it's a little bit vague and they are not particularly religious either and they are israeli citizens also so that's... see i hate that about israeli cinema every <laughs> fucking movie is like an issues movie no it's Why not, not every like si- robots fighting over the zombie the zombie jerusalem was great but it was also an issues movie <laughs> just well, well i mean this is um it, it is true you know it's funny because so I got into a BDS argument the other day uh, <laughs> with somebody who was like, Hashtag uh, Tuesday. You know, how, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, anything from the Israeli that has Israeli state funding in film, we, we should be banned. I'm like, every story about the Palestinian rights comes from Israeli cinema. It's that's like, that's right. all they do. Is no one in movies. Hollywood has made that movie. Right, exactly. But all anyway, right. so that's Bar Bahar coming out later in the year. I, I suggest it is going to be the talk of uh, autumn. In the very small circle of people who like to talk about Israeli film. Lincoln Center Cinema. Thanks so much. If you guys want to hear more from Jordan Hoffman, you can follow him on Twitter at Jay Hoffman or go to his website, jordanhoffman.com. I go ape every time I see you smile. I'm a ding-dong gorilla, carry on caveman style. I'm gonna bop you on the head and love you all the while. Clap your hands. Guys, today we are here with the one and only Stacey Berman. She's the creator of There the- are probably other Stacey Bermans. <laughs> nope. I'm just only saying one. I'm just saying like that name. Listen, there's one. In Tinek, right now, there are three other Stacey Bermans. Yeah, but this Stacey Berman could kick all of their asses <laughs> at the same time. Today the we're same here time. with uh, Stacey Berman. Uh, she's the founder of The System by Stacey Berman. She is an experienced shaman, a Reiki master. She's getting her PhD in natural medicine. She's doing everything. She's a trainer. She's a nutrition specialist. She's She really has done it all. She will turn your life around. Yep. 
She's a middleweight boxing champion of the world. She's actually cycling the Tour de France right now. She's doing Reiki on us right as we speak. And has declared for president in 2020. Oh, could you do that? Stacy? thank you. Oh, sorry. Give you my gift. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How did you know that we love a good gift? Because I listen to unorthodox podcasts. How did you know that we're vain people who crave your attention and easily bribed? Oh. oh wow! So the first the first thing is the wait. Sy- get on mic. Yeah. The oh first my thing god! Is the system, what which is, is this? Protein. It's a luxury line of organic whey protein that you could use for weight loss. You could use it for fueling your workouts, on the go, quick meal or snack. I'm so into this. So that's the protein. That's the healthy bit. This is the less healthy. <laughs> oh, that does not. Which are hamantash and cookies from. Uh, the oh my God! Romanian bakery is that what it is? Oh. On 12th. Look I at love that. that. So, the Hungarian so let's pastry. Start. There you go. Hungarian <laughs> yeah, Hungarian yeah. pastry shop. So, so what we're looking at right now, listeners, is a beautiful white box wrapped in a in a red ribbon. Oh wow! With it's delicious, a delicious, delicious. But <laughs> man-sized hamantaschen. I'm, I'm eating right now. More importantly, breakfast. more importantly. So what yes. I'm holding right now is a sort of a small plastic bottle that has filled almost like a quarter of the way up with yep. a powder, and it says exactly. peanut butter on it. Right. So what do we add to and it? And so what do I do with this? So you could add water. <laughs> well, do I eat this? You can drink. No, you Where so do you I add a liquid. <laughs> up Lael's butt. I was, you know, it's funny. Let's, let's, let's go. I was, let's actually, go right I was actually going to make first a juice joke, then an enema joke. I was like, what am I doing? Where's my mind going? And the guest actually went there. That's always where my mind is. That's um, but okay. So there's peanut butter, really there's coconut, and the ro- there's roasted almonds and coffee and coffee. Wow. So I you add say- liquid, any kind of liquid you like to it. So I usually oh, add I water, but you could add coffee. You could add um, almond milk, regular milk, yogurt. I've tried it with prosecco. It doesn't go so well. <laughs> but I was already a little bit looped from prosecco. I thought it was a good idea. It turns out it wasn't. Um, I haven't yet tried whiskey in it, <gasps> but I did bring some because. Oh, what? Hello. Oh my God! <laughs> so right now, not messing around. I am declaring you greatest <laughs> guest ever in the history of the show. This is, by the way, uh, one of my absolute all-time favorite whiskeys. Awesome! Oh. I just want to back up. Wow! <laughs> I'm now Ooh. eating. I'm now eating the hummantosh. I just want to back up and say, so okay, what's going on here for the people at home? Is we have a Jewish fitness trainer, Reiki master, homeopath, naturopath, path path. Shaman. Shaman. Hopi shaman. Doctor of natural medicine. Well, you're not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Almost. Okay. I just, okay. Truth in advertising. You're en route. Who has brought us hamantaschen and powders. And whiskey. And whiskey. And whiskey. So, so, so I just clearly... want to be clear. And then we're going to tie this all back into her Jewish heritage within well, 10 this minutes. This clearly has like a holistic thing. You didn't just bring the powders. You brought us like sugary sweet snacks that well, are probably not super healthy. Right. The and whole alcohol. idea, right. The whole idea is the approach that I like to take with people is that you have to live balanced, not clean. Clean is good for a certain amount of time, like if you have a wedding or something like that. <laughs> but really Muscle you want to okay, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to live a balanced life and that part of that is, you know, getting shit faced drunk sometimes and enjoying a cookie. And I have to say Stacy's the first person from that world, you know, community that I met, it's like, oh, so are you gonna like make me eat kale now? She's like, no, fucking get drunk, but like, also don't be like a get fat drunk ass. on organic, <laughs> no, organic get, whiskey. Like, drink whiskey, have fun, but then right. like also work out and right. bring bring balance to the force. So it's like moderation, right. yeah. exactly. not sort of elimination. Exactly. Look at you. Look at you. Okay, so how so how did we start the system? Because you started out as sort of like a mainstream trainer. Yeah. 
and a nutrition specialist, and now you're sort of in the n- new age. No, sorry. So let's say natural world. Before natural I science. Uh, I, okay. I, I want to back up. So you started out as a trainer. Correct. Uh, who trained, um, among many other famous people, me. Right. Leo. Was I the absolute worst student of all time? I got to say, you were pretty bad. Uh, right? I mean... You were pretty bad only because you just didn't follow through. That's right. How do you how do you how do you motivate, you know, fat lazy assholes like me? What what is what is the as a shaman, you know, how do you how do you make us work? Because I, I mean that's yeah. the problem like, for what a lot do you of people, need to summon right? like, for that? Like, oh, I don't want to go to I'm, I'm too lazy. Like what do you how do you make that change? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I'm also from New York, so I'm not like, oh well, how is this for you? I regularly call mostly my male clients pussies. <laughs> Just because that tends to work with them. And do you fat, do you fat shame them? No, Will no, you call them never. Fat? No, I mean it depends on the person, but typically that's off the table because usually that's very insulting, especially to, towards women. Some guys you could get away with it and they kind of laugh at it, but you know, so it's all kind of u- unique to the individual. I call my cat fat because she is. Yeah, that's a fat really? cat. Yeah, she's a cat. That's cat shaming. <laughs> so if, if so Stacy's boot camp in Central Park, like, what is your like when you did that? What is your Demeanor, because I'm scared of boot camps because I don't like being yelled at. Yeah. I need like a very gentle approach. So I don't really yell at people. It's not my thing. It's more why it's called boot camp or is because it was bodyweight exercises similar to what people would do in the military, like push-ups, pull-ups, squat thrust, burpees, that kind of thing. Um, but again, it's I'm not trying to punish people for not doing what I tell them. I'd rather everybody really enjoy what they're doing. I mean, it, it's painful, but at least we could kind of smile and laugh and stuff. So it's gentle, but painful. So you're a shaman. Yeah. Is it like an ordination, like a, like a rabbinic? Like, do you get a... So I actually feel really weird about saying that I'm a shaman. I apprenticed with a Native American shaman of the Hopi tradition for eight years. So... It's like you're a shaman. Yeah, I'm I, Right, but it still feels weird. I'm from like the Bronx, like that's weird. <laughs> you know what now, I mean? Is there, are, are there different uh, denominations in shamanism? It's like reform shaman, conservative shaman. <laughs> Not exactly like that, but there are different. <laughs> yeah, denominations. tell us about them. What, what, what are? Well, they? I mean, I could mostly talk about what you know what I did. So m- most of my uh, apprenticeship was in uh, Arizona. So we, I mean, a lot of the ceremony was a- around that culture and that you know. That stuff. Whereas there's a lot of shaman from South America, which they're they're a bit different. They have different songs that they sing, different prayers that they sing uh, or or do. So those are the primary differences. Um, so it's just like you know Christianity. And the and, drugs are different drugs too. Um, so ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is from South America. So that is indigenous to that area. Um, my apprenticeship, we did do ayahuasca, but we also did a lot of mushrooms. Nice. Uh, psilocybin. My favorite drug. Aside from oxycodone. <laughs> you know, my I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. My brother just gave me some. <laughs> some oxy? Yeah, I've never Oxy's taken. fabulous. I've, fabulous. Really, I've never taken legal drugs. See, I'm too fat for oxy. Like, <laughs> I could take yeah, one six pill. of those and nothing, <laughs> nothing happens to me. Like, what the fuck? I was like, you know, like, I'm not so interested in alcohol. I have a drink now and again. Yeah. Like, pot, fine. Yeah. But I could absolutely see being an opiate addict. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Okay. Oxy is. I did an oxy. Yeah, I, did a recre- right now. I did a recreational oxy yesterday. Let me just pull back a little bit. <laughs> I did. So I have some how, leftovers. So you became a trainer in 2000. Like, how did we? Can you tell us about the journey towards sort of the just the more natural, holistic yeah. way that you approach everything now from just straight yeah. up fitness? Well, I think that uh, you know this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think that I've always been a healer. Right when I was younger, the obvious 
approach to that would be physical health, trainer and nutritionist. But then as I started working with people and also just on my own personal journey, I realized that your thoughts and feelings have a lot to do with your overall sense of health and well-being. Um, So that kind of led me on a parallel path of spirituality, which I, when I became the apprentice to the shaman, and I also studied consciousness studies with a uh, Siddha master in India. So um, there were these two kind of parallel lives going on, one professional, one personal. And then about four years ago, when I officially left teaching boot camp, I decided to go back to school for my um, doctorate in natural medicine. And that's where the two kind of the two worlds came together. And now my dissertation research is based off of the idea of, it's called psychoneuroimmunology, how our thoughts affect our nervous system and affect our immune system and metabolism and all that. Um, So when I started to do my, or when I started thinking about what I wanted to do for my dissertation, I kind of looked at my history of working with people. And one of the common threads that I saw, especially with women, no matter what they looked like on the outside, on the inside, they all had this negative self-perception going on in terms of what their body looks like. So I was thinking, well, what does that... Is that where the whiskey comes in? <laughs> yeah, just drink this. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll feel amazing. You'll look incredible. <laughs> so then that made me think, well, what's going on biochemically when we as women look at ourselves and, you know, see ourselves negatively, and then alternatively, what happens when we see ourselves positively. So my research is based all about um, how self-perception affects weight loss. One of the questions that I ask a lot of women to start is, when you look at yourself naked in the mirror, your first thoughts are... Stephanie? What? (laughs) I'm not... I'm... I'm, No. No. Stephanie? (laughs) <laughs> when my, when I, She's asking it has question. nothing to do with I'm this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that actually gives me um, an idea of where we where we're starting from. And then, of course, you know, we talk about family and how family views sexuality and the body and the female and all that stuff. So, it is you know part just kind of getting information about how they eat, how they exercise, you know, stress levels, how much they sleep, how much water they drink. Um, and then it's a bit of psychology. So Stacey, if people want to learn more about the system, if they want yeah. to get these amazing looking shakes, uh, how, how, do they, how do they contact you? How do they find you? They could go to my website, thesystembystacey.com. And does Stacey have an E in it? No E. Thank you okay, for asking. Okay, I, I, I want people asking. to find it. <laughs> Thank you, Stacey. Stacey thank Berman, you. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the, the present wow. and the whiskey. Has he asked for anything special? Yes, this morning for breakfast. Uh, he requested something called wheat germ, organic honey, and tiger's milk. <laughs> oh, yes, those are the charm substances that some years ago were felt to contain life-preserving properties. You mean there was no deep fat? No steak or cream pies or hot fudge? Those were thought to be unhealthy. Precisely the opposite of what we now know to be true. Incredible. Some new newsletter subscribers this week. The law firm of Michael Schwartz, Carrie Bone, Sarah Lust, and Lauren Cohen has all subscribed to the newsletter. Sarah Lust. I've been waiting for her newsletter subscription. It came. It was... uh, Who is Sarah Lust? Look at you. Uh, She was Sarah Love, but then summer started. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's an interesting name because I don't think... 
when you're in like kindergarten or middle school, like that's the kind of name that picks that like even like it's not, triggers it's no anyone. Yeah, no it's Butnik. It's it's no, like, or Lifshitz. The Butnikometer is like I'm not being flagged. But then when you're an adult, everyone's like lust, lust. and you're like I, I wish I could go back to the playground when right. no one was. Yeah. I'll say this: like if you're on J Swipe and your last name is Lust, I think that. It doesn't hurt. That's right? a sixty percent upshot, right? right like there. whatever your photo is, add sixty percent more swipe rights, right? Like that's the that. good one, right? Hopefully, right? Um, that's the good one. That's a good one. That's I'm, a good one. One. I'm pre J swipe. Uh, to get our newsletter, sign up on our website tabletmag.com or send an email asking for it to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Be forewarned, we may make fun of your name. Let's go to the mailbox. All right, I want to start with two. A we little need a mailbox theme song. We do need a mailbox theme song. Debbie, mailbox theme song, please. I'm so happy, I'm so gay. I can come two times a day. I'm your mailman. Knock your knockers, ring your bell. Gee, I really think you're swell. I want to start with a couple. Quick, delicate letters that I just want. I've been they've been sitting in the inbox, glowering at me, and I want to get them out of the way. This is a one from a few weeks ago from Dylan Cosson in Chicago, and I've, I've edited this down, but I think I've kept the spirit. Dear unorthodox Hevra, I've listened to your podcast since around episode twenty. I love your selection of Jewish-related news at the top of the show. I love your interviews, your guests, and your banter. However. I'm regularly disappointed by the show's almost complete non-engagement with issues of Israel's occupation of the West Bank and Gaza, which will enter its 50th year this summer. I can't understand the near-complete absence of any guests on the show who bring a different set of opinions on Israel and the occupation. With love, even for Liel, Dylan Cosson in Chicago. Couple things to say here, Dylan. First of all, we're getting a lot of letters from Chicago this week and last. I don't know what's going on in Chicago. We're big in South Africa. Kike March, man. We're big in Chicago, right? <laughs> the second thing I want to say is that um, you may, and I wrote you this in an email, it is true we haven't had a lot of left-wing on Israel guests. We also haven't had any or scarcely any right-wing on Israel guests. I mean, when we had Jamie Kirchick on, you guys didn't even talk Israel. You know, you know why that is? Yeah. Because it's the most boring fucking yeah. subject to talk about. We feel like there are other podcasts you for... You don't have an opportunity to talk about or hear about fucking yeah. Israel-Palestine so anywhere else? If Just for those people who have not gleaned this from the listening, um, I am to the left of Liel on Israel questions. I think you can be a good Jew who wants to boycott this or sanction that or protest this or isn't Zionist or you're welcome in my shul and they've been on our show and I think Liel and Stephanie are in their own places and I think we're just not that political. I'm not that political person. I have to, I agree with Liel and that's a bad sign. Like I am, I, if I was a listener of this show and I, I was a person like I am, I'd be like, Oh, I mean, like we had we had Shimon Dotan on to talk about the settlers, and that was sort of an, an artistic way to get into the conflict. We had Rebecca Vilkamersen yeah. on from Jewish Voice for Peace. I just feel like it. I don't know. I feel like podcasts she should be an escape I'm in a some ways. Political person, but really, this is what I want to know. I don't want to fucking talk about this. So well, anyway, Diana. maybe we should be though. Maybe that's what people Ugh. need to hear. Maybe we should have a special episode, and we'll have a trigger warning at the beginning. <laughs> which, but no, but I mean, don't I? A I yawn warning. I understand what you're saying. Like Liel is more political with his politics in his kind of casual banter than I think Stephanie and I are with ours. I hear what you're saying, but I just want to declare this a safe space from politics, more or less. Is that naive of me? Does that make me? I a think big... so. I think it's a bit of a cut, like a cover. 
Because people will be like, you talked about Trump all the time. You talk about politics a lot. That's true. Yeah, but like in a way that doesn't dominate your life. We're also we're just normal people. We're just trying to, you know, have a homentage in here. Come we're on. also, despite the fact that Liel's uh, a non-citizen who could be deported at a moment's notice. It, I mean, we're also an American podcast. And I actually like part of the politics is there are things that American Jews talk about other than Israel. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, like Gal Gadot. <laughs> like, like, Gal Gadot. like Israeli Unless the Israeli looks awfully good in, right. a, in a Wonder Woman outfit. Second, another somewhat it's delicate Wonder washing. <laughs> nice. Second, a fellow Camp Lincoln Farm alumna, Peggy Robin, wrote in to say a lot of nice things about our camp episode, but she also mentioned that in my conversation with Stephanie, I talked about a hypothetical camp where, quote, all the Japs go. And Peggy said that the term Jap was offensive. And I just want to say... This took me a moment because I hate the term Jap. And I realized when I went back and listened to it that what I was doing was I was saying to Stephanie, like, isn't there that stereotype of certain camps that kids say, oh, that's the Jappy one. But I was I was putting myself in the You're voice. You're role playing, right? I was role playing like yeah. the 13 year old girls who accused that other camp of being the Jappy one. I should be clear. I actually and I'm I'm. As listeners know, I am hard to offend. Like nothing offends me, and I and even so, I don't like the term Jap. I, I think that's really... a, actually a good topic for a show. Yeah, because or maybe just a guess. I don't know because I have a lot of a lot of thoughts. Yeah, does someone do, do people still use the term though? I don't feel like since See, Jackie Mason. I've never I haven't heard that. I, in like 20 I yes, years. and it's also become so. There's I think Jewish first of all, we'll women get to this. use the term. Yeah, so there's definitely <laughs> a difference between Jap no, and Jappy, right. which has actually come to function as like a pretty helpful. Shorthand, of shorthand for, in, right. with like in within Jews. Like I don't know that I would want a non-Jewish person to say that to call someone. Here's what's interesting: is like I don't think my daughters will ever hear that term. But growing up on Long Island, yeah, no. you used it as a way to distinguish yourself from the, your neighbor, metaphorically like, speaking. I, yeah, it played its, its own sort of separate like, role. In New and Haven, I think, there's I, no Jap discourse. I think intra-Jewish, it has it serves a weird, interesting function. I don't really. I don't know from like non-Jews calling me a Jap, so I don't know that whole experience, which I think is a big part of why people really, really chafe at that at that yeah. word. Um, but we should talk about it more. But we should talk about it more. And I just we should have Alana on. I want to be clear. Our in chief, she wrote about it. I agree with you. I'm anti. I'm anti the term. You're anti Jap. That's anti- really offensive. <laughs> but we'll talk about it. All right. On to a happier part of the mailbox. Hi, unorthodox team. Earlier tonight, I was washing baby bottles while listening to your most recent episode, and I was very interested in a topic that came up briefly: Jewish aesthetics. My sister and I were raised minimally observant, and my family proudly identified as Jewish. But I didn't spend much time thinking about what that meant. My sister is now completely non-practicing, and I've grown to be very passionate about connecting to Judaism. But I didn't learn a lot about Jewish rituals and customs until I was older. Now that my husband and I have a baby, I'm really excited to bring them into our home. Here's the catch. I'm having trouble finding a number of things in a style that we love and that fits our aesthetic. If we're selecting new objects that we hope will become heirlooms moving forward, why not choose items we absolutely love? And is that even a terrible question to ask? Warmly, Lucy Flores. That's an amazing question. Yeah. Which Lucy Flores is why we have the um, T-Rex menorah (laughs) for Hanukkah in our home. Dearly. Yeah. Yeah. Kids love it. No, I think there are definitely ways to find it. Like I mentioned Jonathan Adler last time. That's a very specific yeah, Stephanie aesthetic. really likes the Jonathan Adler. No, no, I don't Adler. like it. I just I think it, it's interesting. Um, I have a few other pieces. And then there's like the ceramicist Isabel Halley who does really beautiful uh, Seder plates. I have one of hers. And then, you know, things like uh, if you go to cleeproducts.com, they make beautiful mezuzahs. Mm-hmm. There's just Michael like really. Michael Aram. Uh, yeah, Michael Aram is not really my style. No, it's a little I, ornate. I like it. Um, I'm basic. But yeah, I think you can. I think there are ways, and the Jewish Museum in New York has a has an online website that has a great. They have a great store. And if you go to Israel, go to Sfat and walk down that alley with the little kiosks on either side, and you'll it's see. Pretty every, shocky, I, though. 
No, I there's feel. a lot of beautiful stuff. There's, there's a lot of beautiful there stuff there. Years, there's so. a lot of beautiful stuff there. Maybe they up their game. Yeah, maybe they up their game. But uh, yes, and the Jewish Museum has a great, the shop there. Like, I think there is an effort to push back against yeah. that. And there are, you know, especially with Israeli artists, there's a lot There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. We've, we've featured it on Tab a little bit. So if you want to search, like, And it's Judaica. awesome. Like, I feel like the more, the more people like you, Lucy, push for such stuff, like, the more we're going to get. It's great. Um Final letter this week. Dear Mark, thanks for another entertaining and enlightening Unorthodox podcast. While listening Thursday, I was wondering if you were able to lower your total and LDL cholesterol numbers by switching your daily statin dose to bedtime, or did the change at least keep your numbers from increasing? What did this mean? I guess at at some point I talked about the fact that I took statins, but they didn't work. And so this is when months and months ago. Uh, Let me finish the letter. Bad habits never die. Planning on baking brownies after my physical and blood work tomorrow morning. Wishing you a fantastic week. Signed, Donald J. Trump. (laughs) Wishing you a fantastic week. Diana Muchnik. Diana, I have no memory of talking about this. I'm assuming I talked about my... I I do remember she wrote me a letter saying, take the statin before bed, not in the morning. (laughs) So, Diana, first of all, I'm so glad I've gained a nation of Jewish mothers by doing this podcast. My own mother, I don't think... (laughs) They're just worried about your cholesterol levels. Here's the thing. I actually, since I went on statins, have never been back to have my cholesterol checked. So whether they're working or not, I actually... actually I don't even know what statins are. Don't even know. Oh, you will, Missy. You will. Oh, I'm, I'm sure I will. Hey, uh, let me just tell all of you out there in the J Crew, we don't have a show airing next week. We don't have a show airing on the 27th. Hey, everyone. Just a reminder about that live show. Next week, July 25th, Tuesday night, JCC in Manhattan live show. Here's the thing. That show is not airing on the 27th. It's airing a week later. So you will miss a week unless you come to our live show. If you need Unorthodox next week. Get your fill. Get your fill at JCC in Manhattan. And there will be Japanese whiskey, and which you will uh, get a taste of. And it'll help us keep our balance. That's right. Uh, some Mazel Tov. Stephanie Butnick. I'm going to trade in my Mazel Tov for a plug uh, for our sister site, Juicy. They are doing, for the second year in a row, um, a Tuba Av storytelling event. It's called Love Bites. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. And if you're interested, just check out juicy.com and, and find out more information. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep the theme uh, and give a shout out to Tablet's intern, who is also helping with the show, yes. Sophia Rasti, who's been rocking it on the scroll, our blog, and is doing a fantastic job. She is doing such an awesome job. <laughs> so you guys are who do you love, Mark? You guys are giving shout outs to other people. You're giving generous shout outs. Is this for yourself? <clears throat> Mine is to Mercer and Sons, the shirt maker. <laughs> um, they're well known in the in the trad prep shirt shirting community for making Tucker Carlson's shirts because what everyone thinks of Tucker Carlson, it's a well dressed man. He's a well dressed man. Um, so I was, you know, I, this is a longer story, but after the election, the way I handled my anxiety was by going searching for the perfect uh, made in the USA button down collar Oxford shirt in blue, and um, Mercer and Sons makes a very large full cut shirt, and I. I'm not that large. I mean, I'm not, you know. So what they did, what Serena Mercer did for me was, and you get notes from Serena Mercer herself, is they put a 16 and a half collar on the body of a 15 and a half by 33 shirt. So they gave me a trimmer body with the 16 and a half collar and it was magic. And I've been wearing it and it's, um, yeah, Mercer and They put the mind of a 15 year old on the body of a 43 year old and there you have it. The hair of a pursuit 21 year old. There you have it.
Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Write to us, please, at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Our executive producers are Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Telushkin, and our show is edited by Noah Levinson, except that, you know, for a couple weeks he's in Israel, and it's edited by Debbie Gallant. Our wonder intern is Sophie Aresti. Our music is by Golem. I'd like to take this moment to say, you hear Golem, it's become the, the, the soundtrack to your life to every Thursday when you get our show, but really go on their website and listen to Golem. They are one of the most accomplished and interesting klezmer uh, bands out there. Rabbinic supervision is by the rabbinic student Ellie Cohen of Jewish Theological Seminary, who gave a really good Devar Torah that I saw last week. Kosher slaughtering is by David Brooks, who just keeps butchering ideas, prose, you name it. We recorded Argo Studios, which is sitting by John McCain's bedside. We're proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom, friends. <laughs>